Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A phrase that we often like to repeat and remind ourselves is a phrase, God is good. Would you say that with me? God is good. And I think this phrase is often a great encouragement. It has encouraged us during a time of distress, I'm sure. It has given us peace through different struggles in life and has communicated hope to others when all things seem hopeless. And it is a wonderful phrase that we should often repeat and believe. And the reason is, God is not only good, I believe, and I think all of us will believe this phrase as well, but God is always good. God is always good. Let's say that together. One, two, three. God is always good. I think we like the phrase, God is good, but I think we could further along to really lift up the Lord and magnify the Lord with this phrase too, that God is always good. As we remind ourselves of his goodness, his goodness is ever present. For example, think about air or maybe oxygen today. We breathe it every single day and we're blessed of his source of goodness, you could say. And, and we don't think about oxygen every day, do we? But we can. Why? Because it's always there. It's always there. And uh, as much as that is true, God's goodness is just like that. There's nothing wrong with saying that God is good every second or every minute or every hour or every day or every week or every month or every year or every decade or maybe even every century or millennium. Why? Because His goodness is ever-present. He, he is always good. He is always good. David wrote in the famous psalm, as we know it today, in Psalm 23, verse 6, and it's on the screen. It says, surely goodness and mercy, mercy shall follow me. How many days? All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He also wrote in Psalm 52, verse 1, Why boast thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. There's... Never been a time where God has not been good. Do you believe that this morning? And he is always good. If you're a spiritual Christian, then this truth really hits home today. It's understandable, and you hold it in belief and also in conviction. But there might be some Christians who go against the goodness of God, just like the world, and the phrase, God is good, is not really shared by the world, as you see. And rather than saying, God is good, the world says, I am good. They don't think about the goodness of God. They don't want to magnify the Lord or glorify the Lord that way. And they replace it by saying, I am good. I have done this. I have accomplished this. I am good. They hold God in contempt, disdain, and disrespect. Or they don't even believe in God at all. So they reside on the phrase, I am good. So who is better or good? They themselves. But there are two, I believe there are three big problems with that. When someone says, I am good, well, number one, we're not really good. We are sinners. And the Bible says in Psalm 14.3, I'll read it for you, it's not on the screen, it says, they're all gone aside, they are together become filthy, there is none that doeth good. You see, if you compare the goodness of God and also your goodness, hey, 
it's, it's, there's no comparison. It's only a contrast. And uh, it's a big difference, my friends. It's a great golf fix. And, uh, and we must recognize that the goodness of God out-exceeds out exceeds our own goodness. And uh, I think about it in Psalm 53, verse 1, 2. I'll read it for you. The fool hath said it in his heart, an atheist, you could say. There is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. You see, we're not really good, as the as Bible clearly states. We are sinners. And I think my second problem is that we're not consistently good. We're hypocrites. I'll read for you Luke 18, verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and one a Pharisee, a person who was righteous in his own eyes, and the other a publican, a person who was not righteous in his own eyes. In verse 11, it says about the Pharisee, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. You know, the goodness of man is not consistent inwardly with that which is outwardly. And uh, Jesus Christ said it very clearly as he was speaking to the Pharisees. He says, you are hypocrites. Why? Because, hey, you like the clean cups, but uh, 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 you, you, in every way, inside of the cup is very dirty. And, uh, and, and you might have a uh, nice whitish sepulcher, and uh, you might have a, a nice grave looking, uh, uh, that, that looks great on the outside, but uh, you're, you're just like that grave. Inwardly, you're full of dead men's bones. And uh, the Pharisees were very, uh, in every way, exalting themselves and, uh, and, 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 and telling themselves that they're good. But they're not consistently good. Why? Because they're inward sin. Their pride, their selfishness. They were hypocrites. So when we say that we are good as sinners, we're hypocrites. Why? Because we're not consistent. In the outward actions and also even the inward thoughts. And number three, we are good, okay, but with partiality. We are good, but with partiality. Luke chapter 6, verse 33, verse 34, it says, If ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank ye have ye? For sinners also even do the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank ye have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. What is that saying? Well, the Bible is saying, Jesus Christ is saying, that, hey, if you are lending something to somebody and hoping to get it back again, all right? You're just like the world. If you're giving to somebody and hoping to get something back, okay, from that person in the future, you're just like the world. And the Bible is very clear that the world is not consistent in giving goodness. It's not pure. It's not uh, 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 selfless. It, it, it's, it's not sacrificial. It's only based on of what they can get out of it. And so when the world says that they are good, they do it with partiality. But as Christians, thank God, Jesus Christ says that we need to do more than that. We need to land and give and give and give and expect nothing back again. That's Christianity at its best. That's Christianity at its purest. And we need to follow that. And just going back to this context again, the, uh, uh, you know, there's three big problems. And number one, we're not really good, we're sinners. Number two, we're not consistently good, we're hypocrites. And number three, we're good, but with partiality. And, uh, and, and we must recognize that God, 
God's goodness exceeds the goodness of all sinners in this world. I think about the impartiality of God's goodness in Matthew 5, verse 45. It says that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sent the rain on the just and the unjust. You see, God's goodness is consistent, and also it's not even partial. And the Bible says, hey, I give you rain, I give you, I give you blessings, even to the righteous and also even to sinners. And uh, God is truly good. There's no pride or selfishness mixed in it. It's goodness. It's heavenly goodness. It's goodness of purity. You see, our goodness cannot be measured in any comparison to the goodness of God. Isaiah 64, verse 6, the Bible says, But we are all as unclean things, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Think about your goodness today. Think about what's so good about you, and think about the good things that you have done. God says, hey, your goodness compared to my goodness, your goodness is filthy as rags. Some theologians say those rags are talking about those uh, people who had leprosy. And uh, people with leprosy will have rags uh, with them, and, and they will always try to wipe their pus off and, and try to wipe off their blood. And, and what they would do with that uh, uh, filthy rag is that they would have to burn it in fire because it would be so contagious. It cannot be clean. So God says your goodness is just like ours. The things that you say that you're so good at, about and and the things that you uh, magnify yourself, uh, your, yourself about, hey, your goodness is just as filthy rags. And if you have never received Christ as your personal Savior, if you're not a Christian, I think it's about time that you recognize that it is His goodness that will cleanse your soul, that will cleanse your heart, that will cleanse your life, rather than your own. A Native American and a European man were deeply moved by the same sermon. That very night, the Native American received Jesus as a Savior, but for days, the European man refused to accept Christ. Alas, he too repented and enjoyed the sweet peace of having sins forgiven. So both of those men got saved. In different times, though. Later, he asked the preacher, why did it take me so long while the Native American responded right away? My brother, he replied, I can explain it by this little story. At one time, a rich prince wished to give each of you a new coat. You shook your head and replied, I don't think so. Mine is good enough. When he made the same offer to the other man, he looked at his old blanket and said, this is good for nothing. And gratefully accepted the beautiful garment. You wouldn't give up your own righteousness. You're, you wouldn't give up your old uh, 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 garment. But knowing he had... But the other man, uh, knowing that he had no goodness of his own, he immediately received the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And uh, you see, it's very obvious that his robe is better. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend. His righteousness is better. His goodness is better. And what he did on that cross is better than what you could do for yourself. Go to the cross. Let go of everything and just cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. Cling to his righteousness. 
Stop trusting yourself for salvation. Stop trusting yourself of righteousness. No, trust in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and the sacrificial blood that could cleanse all your sins away. And that's why he came down. He didn't die. He didn't just come down to heal some sick people. He didn't just come down to walk on water. He didn't just come down to feed the multitudes. No, yes, he did all that. Wonderful. We, we see it in the Bible and we see the great, wonderful uh, 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 miracles of God and the Fulfill, the, the, the fulfillment of the Old Testament. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ came down for one, per, uh, for one purpose, and that purpose is to seek and to save that which was lost. And he died on that cross for your sins. And if you have never trusted Christ, if you have never genuinely received Christ as your personal Savior, and you're still thinking, hey, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going to go after I die, I, I, I'm just maybe uh, 50% sure or 70% sure, Oh, I want you to respond in invitation today to receive Christ as your personal Savior so that you could have your sins cleansed, so that you could have your home in heaven. And do not in any way take a chance with your own righteousness. I think about uh, the example Jesus Christ gives. He says, uh, there are some people who will say, I've done all these things in my name. I've given to the poor. I preached in your name. I, teach in, I taught in your name. And, and I have done all these good things. But what does Jesus Christ say there in Matthew? He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that do iniquity. There could be somebody going to just Bible Baptist Church not having salvation. I remember when I was out door knocking and uh, I met a man. I think I shared this example before. And, and uh, I knocked on his door. He looked about maybe mid-50s. And, and then we, kind of, we got to talking a little bit. And I said, after a few minutes, sir, if you die today, would you know for sure about going to heaven? And he looked at me. And he looked down on me. And he said, he kind of laughed. And he said, I've been a deacon for the last 25 years. In my mind, I said, sir, that's not the answer to the question. I didn't ask you if you're a deacon. I didn't ask you if you went to church all your life. I asked you if you were to die today, that you'd be on your way to heaven. And he cut off the conversation right at that moment. And he became very cold, and he closed the door. You know, there might be some of you who just goes to Bible Baptist Church for the next 30 years. And Jesus Christ will say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that do iniquity. Oh, don't you know I was a deacon? Don't you know I served in an usher? Don't you know I was a teacher? Don't you know, Lord, I helped in vacation Bible school? Don't you know that I read my Bible? Don't you know I gave tithes and I gave to missions? But Jesus will say, that's not being born again. And there might be some people here trusting their own goodness to go to heaven still. But they need to trust Jesus Christ. They need to forfeit their own righteousness and give it up and say, Lord, you're the good uh, Savior and you're the one who could only forgive my sins and you're the perfect sacrifice to take away all my iniquity. Oh, I hope you're saved today. I hope you have trusted Christ as your personal Savior. His goodness is better. His sacrifice is better than your own sacrifice. Now, if you're a Christian today putting on 
his righteousness, and, and you're saved, you're born again, thank God for you. And thank God for everyone here. But if you know that you're born again, I want you to know that you could be in a trial, you could be in a different circumstances where you put God on trial. You call him unfair. You call him unjust. You call him uncaring. You call him not good. But you need to compare yourself to him again. Once again, as you compare yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ when you received him as your Savior, you need to compare yourself once again to the good God that you're putting on trial. Because he has never changed. God is not just good, God is always good. Remember that? God is always good, Christian. Doesn't matter what you're going through, it doesn't matter what heartache, it doesn't matter what trial. God is always good. God is good when you have $100,000 in your bank account. God is always good if you only have a dollar in your bank account. God is always good. Now, God might be filtering some different uh, situations in your life so that maybe you could get right with him, so that you could trust him more. By the way, God will never be done with us until we go to heaven. He has begun a good work in us, and he will perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the greatest challenge that he always gives us is faith. Whether that be in finances or in health or maybe raising children or having family and, and whatever it is, even trial, hey, God always tests us in faith. If you don't think that's true, man, just ask Abraham. Abraham had to leave a comfort place as a, uh, 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 as a younger man, and, and, uh, and, and he had to leave there in the early Chaldees. He didn't know where he was going, but he went there anyways. And then he had to reside there by faith, and, and, uh, and God promised him a great nation, but he didn't even see it in his own life. And, and God promised him uh, a, a son, and he, he got him after 100 years old. And God says at the end, hey, I want you to sacrifice Isaac, and he does so. He tries to. You see, the series of Abram's life, it's all the exercise of faith. And I believe with all those exercises of faith, Abram will say, God is always good. God is always good. And God has never done with you, has, has never been done with you. And he might give you different circumstances and trials in your life so that you could look to him and say, you're always good so that he could be magnified and glorified. Compare yourself to him again. You know that you're a sinner, whereas God is not. You know that you're a hypocrite, where God is not. You know that you're with partiality, where God is not. Remember again that God is always good. His goodness is still relevant. Now, if you have settled in your heart as a Christian concerning that topic or that truth, then we can move on to the higher ground to bear the fruit of goodness. There is no way for us to bear the fruit of goodness if you are just putting God on trial. I can never be good to my wife or to my children or exemplify the heavenly goodness unless I believe that God is good. If I don't believe that God is good, then I'll have bitterness in my soul. I'll have uh, in every way contempt and, 
and, and, and disdain, and, 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 and I would say my life is not worth living, God is not good to me, and, and I'll be frustrated with my family, I'll be frustrated with ministry, I'll be frustrated with the people of God, and, and, uh, and I'll just do whatever I want in my own emotions. Why? Because I've not settled that issue of God is always good. You need to have peace. That's the same thing with vertical peace. If you have peace with God, then you have peace with men. If you don't have peace with God, then you don't have peace with men. So if you believe that God is good, then I believe all my heart that you'll be able to share goodness to others too and bear the fruit of goodness. And we need his goodness, not our own. We need his display of goodness. We need to show forth his goodness. We need to how to speak goodness, behave goodness, and, and also react with goodness. We need his goodness. This morning, how can we be challenged to bear his goodness? I'd like to share with you three helpful truths of the fruit of goodness. I hope this helps us to realize how much we need God's help and also how powerful this fruit is. Number one, let's think about goodness should be a fixed outcome. Goodness should be a fixed outcome. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 through 11. For, e, it, for, if, uh, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruit of works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, what do you mean by maybe a fixed outcome? Well, meaning goodness is a fixed outcome of salvation. You know, notice Apostle Paul says here, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness. So he is saying if you're saved, if you're in the light, now I want you to walk, perform, act, manifest as children of light. And the children of light has the fruit of goodness. It's a natural divine fix outcome of our salvation. It's not, I have to be good, but I want to be good. I want the fruit of goodness. I want the fruit of righteousness. I want the fruit of truth. Some Christian despises to be good or ceases to be good, and I wonder if they're truly born again. And a born-again Christian, you see, is fixed and wanting to be like Christ. Why? Because he or she has a new life he or she is a new creature. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I'm sure you heard of the phrase. It's on the screen. Let's say this together. Ready? If I could live my life over again, then I would do things differently. Haven't you heard that before, all right? I'm sure many of you said it before. If I can live my life over again, I would do things differently. Oh, let me just give you a big news today. If you're a born-again believer, all right, this is possible. Why? Because we have a new life. We have a complete new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why, that's why it's called born again. Being born again and being a babe and a, and a child of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why John writes in his epistles, little children, little children, little children. We're a bunch of little babes here. We're newly born. We have a new life. 
And, uh, you know, uh, uh, we might be wishing I would do things differently. No, you could do different things now. You could be different now. Why? You have a new life in the Lord Jesus. You could have new thoughts. You could have new behavior. You could have new habits. And you could have uh, uh, new reactions. And and you could have uh, a new motive, a new purpose in life, a new plan. You're living a life over again. You do have a new life right now, so do things differently. Be good to others. Be good, not just with partiality, but consistently be good, but, uh, uh, but not with hypocrisy. Do good, not because you get something in return, but sacrificially. You could be good now with the goodness that God bestows upon you. One of the most convicting verses that I have come across is this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, lest I be lost. I just love that verse. I wonder if there are people here who has this spiritual thick skull. Even though I don't get love as much as I desire it, I'm going to give more love to the other party. Goodness. That's goodness of God. Do you have that in your life? Or is it just, hey, if I get it, then um, I'll do it in return. Apostle Paul says, I, I'm willing to be spent. You could use me up. I mean, you could, in every way, use me up. I'm at your disposal. I'm willing to be spent. And be spent for you. I'm yours. And the more abundantly I love you, the less I do love you. If you have this fixed goal, if you have this fixed outcome by the Holy Spirit of God, your marriage, your marriage will reach a higher ground. Your friendship with others will reach a higher ground. Your relationship with Christians at this church will reach a higher ground. Your relationship with your children will reach a higher ground. Or even with your parents, with your children today. You'll reach a higher ground. By the way, children, when's the last time you sacrificed for your parents? If you have living parents today and, and you have your own family, and just like where I am today, when's the last time you sacrificially did something for your parents. This past week, uh, uh, she had this trouble. Uh, my mom, she got a uh, fix ticket, and uh, um, she got the bumper fix in the front and uh, through Joe's friend, and uh, they forgot to put the license plate on. And Joe gave me the license plate, and he says, "Put it on before he gets a, she gets a ticket." And I got busy; I just forgot about it. And guess what? She got a ticket. <laughs> and Joe came up to me, what a son. <laughs> I said, oh, man, I feel bad. And then uh, she paid it. She, uh, she, uh, she wrote out a check, and she paid it. And then she got a letter from Gardena saying, you never got it. So they charged her more. And I said, man, my mom will never go through, will never stop going through financial troubles. And... Uh, <laughs> So, and she said, what am I going to do? And I said, okay, we'll go together. And I was kind of busy this week. I, I, I prepared, I prepared uh, 
one, two, three, four, five. I prefer six messages because, and uh, with the college retreat coming up, and I was just very busy. I, I had to get everything else done for the ministry too. And, and uh, but I'll just go with you tomorrow. And uh, I went there with her at nine in the morning. And uh, I, I, she, ex- the, the lady explained to me, very kind, very kind personnel there. I, and I was very, I was very impressed by it. And, uh, and very kind, and, 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 and she said, well, if you could just show us this. Uh, well, it, it says that uh, it, the, the, the check went out of, uh, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's some vision funds. And then I told my mom, and she's like, what? And then she <laughs> my mom, she gets, she gets overreacted, you know, and uh, she says, well, I have thousands of dollars in there. And like, if people are like looking around, I was like, oh, mom, don't tell people you have thousands of dollars in there, please. <laughs> and, then, and I said, okay, 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 and let me just do the talking, all right, and, and then she said, just show us a statement saying that you do have money in there, and then, and then I said, okay, 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 and then, um, and then and we came back, and, and, uh, and, and she, say, th- she, say, she thanked me, and uh, she appreciated the time that I gave her, and uh, she said, I'll, just do, I'll, I'll, I'll do it from, now, from here on out, and uh, I'll, I'll get the statement, I'll go back there, and uh, as I did that, you know, I realized that that's so little compared to what my mom has done for my life. And I get a little frustrated, and I'm like, I don't have the schedule to do it. And, uh, and I thought, you know, what if Josiah did that to me when I'm like 60 years old? You know, do I spank him? I don't know. <laughs> and I'm just simply saying that if, if you have parents living, I think we need to honor our parents. That's what the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. And, and I'm in the same boat. We're not, we're, not, we're not good to our parents as we should, but we need to go an extra mile sometimes. And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, I, I want to encourage you to have this goodness. Why? Because you're saved. You're born again. You have received Jesus as your Savior. There should be a different, there's, there should be some difference in your life. Amen. How you treat your husband, how you treat your wife. You might say, my spouse is not even saved. Hey, your unbelieving spouse could be sanctified by your testimony according to 1 Corinthians. Your unbelieving husband, your unbelieving wife could be sanctified by your testimony. And maybe they'll get saved. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage you today that if you are born again, then we need to have this fixed outcome, this fixed goal that the Holy Spirit of God wants to produce. And all we need to do is to surrender and say, Lord, may your goodness flow through my life. Because our flesh is selfish. Our flesh uh, takes pleasure of its own. Our flesh is prideful. Our flesh is arrogant. And if we want to walk in the spirit, we got to forfeit the flesh. we got to die to self and say, Lord, I surrender to your goodness. I was at the market the other day. I haven't been out at the market for a while at night, and uh, it surprised me. And I was at Vaughn's the other day, and I was thinking, wow, you know, some of these people are kind of scary. And I guess I live in a little bubble, and I, I don't go out because I'm with the kids at night and uh, with the family. And, and I was out there. I went to, I went to uh, Rite Aid first, and, uh, and uh, I walked by, and these two guys, you know, look gangster a little bit, but they're selling chocolate. And uh, they had these, you know, uh, different type of language they were using. 
As I was passing by, this other guy, this heavyset guy, was looking over. As I was passing by, they didn't ask me for chocolate. But this other guy, he, was, he said, look at that Jet Li over there. I said, all right. <laughs> Let me show you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. And, uh, you know, they're Hispanic and I was Asian. And I just walked by them. And in my heart, I was like, man, these guys look like 18, 19 years old. And I had to say something. But the Holy Spirit says, no. And as I went, and by the way, flesh still fights, doesn't he? As I was, I was coming out of Rite Aid, they were still there, and my flesh said, you got to say something again. <laughs> you got to say something. Or make fun of them. Can you imagine the pastor of Bible Baptist making fun of 18-year-olds? <laughs> but the flesh does that. Why? You want to get the last word. You want to get the last word. You ever go through that? Argue with somebody? You talk to somebody? You want to get the last word in. Why? Because I'm right. I'm always right. And by the way, when you do that, you're not showing goodness to others. You know what the world needs? The world needs to see what we just talked about. Love, joy, peace, okay. long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. They need to see different type of life. Heavenly life that they've never experienced. Wow, I cursed at him, but he didn't say anything. Wow, I made fun of that guy, but he just simply just walked away. I told him I hated him, but man, he says he loves me. Goodness, we need to see that. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're born again, this is a fixed outcome by the Holy Spirit of God. Let's be surrendered to it. Let's be surrendered to it. Secondly, goodness is favorable. Goodness is favorable. Romans 15, verse 14. And I myself also persuaded of you, my brethren, ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. You know, Apostle Paul was fully convinced that the Christians in Rome will be able to admonish, instruct, Warn, exhort one another. Why? Because they're full of goodness. Did you know that we can be very ignorant of how to approach people? We can have unfavorable relationship or we allow unfavorable relationship. Our speech or reactions, behavior can be truly unruly and not full of goodness. For example, our tongue, our speech, James chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, the Bible says, But the tongue can no man tame, is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. There we bless we God, even the Father, and there we curse we men. We are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not so to be. What is James saying there? You come over here in this corner. You say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. You're so wonderful. You're so great. And you're so loving. You're so graceful. And thank you so much for blessings. And thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. You're so good. And then you come to this corner. Honey, what is wrong with you? Son, what is the problem? Why are you so bad? Why are you such a disappointment? Or you make fun of your friends the wrong way. The 
The Bible says our tongues are unruly, full of deadly poison. Question for you. Do people get attracted to you? No, not, not physical attraction, okay? All right? All right? That's too much, okay? But anyways, not physical attraction. But do they, do, you, do they get attracted to you because your words, your speech is so wholesome? Your, your goodness radiates? I mean, God's goodness in your life radiates? Uh, I was at a wedding yesterday. I was talking to Joe afterwards. And this guy was, uh, I mean, this preacher, I'm sorry, I don't want to say guy, I'm sorry about that, I should respect this position. Uh, this pastor was, uh, um, he was uh, conducting the, uh, uh, or officiating the wedding, and uh, he was talking in Korean and also in English at the same time, because uh, uh, the husband is more American, he's more English speaking, and then uh, uh, the wife is more Korean speaking, so he was kind of, you know, do both. And, but I knew that the Korean, his language it, it was Korean. He had a lot of accent in English, and I just kind of knew his first language was Korean, and he knew English too. But I knew that he was more comfortable with Korean. And the prayer time came. He prayed a couple times. And I mean, that first prayer, I was thinking, he was praying in English, though. He didn't pray in Korean. He was praying in English. I was, I was thinking, wow, this guy's eloquent. I said, wow, this, this guy uses good words, vocabulary. Man, this sounds really good. And then the second time he prayed, I was like, man, this is too good. So I looked up, and uh, he was reading the prayer. I was like, I knew it. I knew it. He wasn't doing it out of his heart. He was reading the prayer. It was too good to be true. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, uh, and, uh, but I'm just, as I thought about that, you know, sometimes we fake our speech just like that. Yeah, we fake it. You know, did you know that some of us are very good to strangers? More than we're good to our wives or husbands? You know, I, Annabelle got up this morning, and, and uh, I, I should do this more often. And she woke up, got out of bed, and I gave her a little side hug and said, good morning. I gave her a little kiss, and she said, good morning. And God convicted my heart. He said, you should do that every single day. You go to church and you say good morning with a smile to everybody here. Well, how about your little children? How about your daughter? Why don't you be more consistent there? And I'm just simply saying we're double standard in our tongue. And many times we're very unfavorable. And the Bible says if you're born again, if you're saved, a fixed outcome is that you're good. I mean, you have goodness coming out of your life. God's goodness is coming out of your life. And, and also, hey, Apostle Paul said, I'm very confident that you are able to instruct one another, admonish one another, and encourage one another. Why? Because you're full of goodness. You're favorable. People are attracted to you. Hey, some people will try to, uh, 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 you know, tell you you did something wrong, but you do it the right way, so... They're, they're wanting to talk to you. They're wanting to spend time with you. They're wanting to get that mentorship. Wasn't Jesus Christ very attractive at the Sea of Galilee when he was fixing Peter? I told you before a few, few weeks ago, you know, Jesus Christ didn't flip, flip the boat. Peter, what are you doing here? 
He didn't go on the shore on the water and started yelling at him, started rebuking at him. No, he said it's created a fire and took some fish. Coming down. And I believe with soft spoken voice he says, You Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? Man, so favorable. You want to be with Jesus when he sticks with you. Huh? I do. His grace is amazing. I want to be there. And I wonder if some children want to be there when parents are trying to admonish them. I wonder if there are some Christians here today want to be with mature Christians. Why? Because not only would they understand, but they'll have grace and they'll have the right speech to do it. Are you favorable? Do you have good thoughts, good actions, good words, good, re good reactions? And most importantly, do you have a good heart? Let's read this together, Matthew 12. Do you have that? Yeah. It says, you're a good man out of the good treasure of the heart. Bring it forth. What kind of thing? Good things, right? An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. You know, your heart is a spiritual pumping place. I spoke to you last week, you know. The reason why you're not gentle is because your heart is not pure. And it's the same thing with goodness, too. And the reason why you're not good is because maybe your heart is not good. It's a problem of the heart again. And some people might just quit after a while being good. And with that, they have unfavorable results. But the Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, and let us be wary in, uh, let us not be wary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Yeah, keep on doing good, the Bible says. Keep on doing it. Yeah, you might not get it back, but keep on doing it. Oh, then you'll, you'll reap. And the Bible says, concerning the goodness of God, his unconditional goodness toward us. And when we think of his goodness, we're strengthened to believe in hope and psalm. 27, verse 13, I have fainted unless I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I like that. He says, I, I, I almost quit. I, I, have, I was done with my life. But I saw the goodness of the Lord. It strengthened me. It gave me peace. It gave me hope. And I hope that we could do the same in sharing the goodness of God in our lives and that people could see hope in relationship. They could see hope of what they could become and who they could become. And I want to encourage you today, be favorable. Have the goodness of God in your life. Let him fill you and let him do good in your life and also produce good in your life. Number three, I'm done. Goodness is fulfilling. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 through 12. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God will count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good treasure of his, uh, good, the pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith and power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, don't you want Christianity as a whole? Don't you want every part of Christianity, every part of Christ, if so, fulfill all the good, good pleasure of his goodness? Don't live your life regretting, I wish I could have done more good to others through Christ. 
Don't live your life in regret, but in satisfaction, pray and have goodness towards your family now, your marriage now, your friends now, your church now. God is not done with you or me, and God is not done with any of us. His desire is to do good works through you, abound in goodness, have the effectual working power of the Holy Spirit be produced in your life. God is doing a good work in you. Why not produce some good fruit? It's fulfilling when you, when you have a good life. When you live a life that's full of goodness. You know, the world says, live a good life, meaning make sure you have a big home, make sure you have a nice car, nice job, good earnings, good retirement. Live a good life. But as a Christian, you know, let's live a good life, too, but not in that way. Let's live a good life and doing good to others. Because it will last for all eternity. Let me just finish with this. John Wesley once wrote, Do all the good you can in all the ways you can. To all the souls you can. In every place you can. At all the times you can. With all the zeal you can. As long as as you can. I like that. Do you want that in your life? Or are you going to be on your deathbed saying, I wish I'd have been good to my wife, good to my husband? You know, that was one of my regrets at my dad before he passed away. My mom told me later, she said, he struggled with flesh. You know, he was a, he was a very uh, cold kind of character, I guess. Very smart man, though. Um, but his regret was, I wish I could have I been more good to my wife. And when he got saved, he said to my, wife, to my, to my mom, he said, honey, I'm so sorry that I did so wrong to you. I'm going to make it right. And he tried for years. And my mom says he felt his flesh got sick. It, you know, you just can't. You just can't fix that just right away, just the time. But a lot of changes in his life, though. But he regretted. I wish I could have been more good to my wife. I wonder if there's somebody here regretting right now. Even now, I wish I could have been more good to my parents or to my husband, my children, or to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you good? Do you have goodness in your life? Not your own goodness. God's goodness. God's goodness. Not the goodness of the flesh. The goodness of the Holy Spirit.